0: Everyone, welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we have Mark Freeman here with us. What's up, dude? It's good. You prepared to continue to be our Old Testament slash minor prophet expert.
1: Mm, I have I have grown in knowledge since our last podcast. Really? Oh yes.
0: That's impressive. You just you just, maybe just your, your head seems marginally larger. <laughs> it's like it's just your brain is. Getting bigger. Hey, yeah. So uh, Mark and I are on staff together at the Grove Church. And again, thank you so much for joining us, especially if you are new. Really glad that you have uh, found us. And we are starting today uh, a series where we're just kind of working our way through the minor prophets. And last week, we kind of intro the idea just to kind of make sure we all understood what we meant when we said that we were going through the minor prophets. We talked about what makes a prophet a minor prophet versus a major one, which is, at its core, length of the book, not quality of prophet, and that a prophet is someone who God gives a message to to deliver to a certain group of people. And then we also talked a little bit about the history of Israel and the splitting of the kingdoms and those sorts of things to kind of help us put each one of these in a historical context. And so we're going to start. We're just going to take these in order. And so today we are starting with the prophet Hosea, Hosea. Mm. And this is actually, I, to me, here's here's the thing. It was like fourteen chapters.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I feel like Hosea, man. Like he's like he's on the fence. Like he, I like it's like, that seems long enough to be a major prophet.
1: Oh. The yeah. book
0: of Daniel's not much longer than that. Right. That's kind yeah, of that's a, a big decent book. even like uh, some of these other ones you can tell definitely. He's like that's why he splits the difference. He's right there in the middle. It's a little bit like maybe you just you get to decide for yourself.
1: Yeah, it surprised me going back to it, like uh, because there's this big picture, you know, thing that he's saying and illustration that he's giving us, and you don't think that it's 14, you don't think about it being 14 chapters. No, it, it is. Yeah, it, it is.
0: is. All right, so historically so we got this prophet Hosea and he's again like you said he's got he's got a pretty significant message and a wild way that God is having him illustrate this deal uh, but let's set it in its historical context where are we in the history of the Jewish people at the time that Hosea is making these prophecies
1: okay so if if I'm right it's during one of the reign the reign of one of the worst kings that they had Jeroboam II kind of focused on the northern kingdom.
0: Right. So this is 200, the,
1: 200 years after This something. is after the split, right? right? So
0: they, we had three kings that were under a united monarchy and then they split into two, the northern kingdom being Israel, the southern kingdom being Judah.
1: Mhm. Okay, so side question, side question. So you got these two kingdoms and normally when we when we talk, we just talk, you know, we're talking about Israel and we know Judah's in the, you know, that's and right. there's somewhere how does that work into these like is he are most of the prophets talking to one or the other or is it to both? How we how should we view that?
0: Well, I mean, there's a sense in which I mean the fact that they're recorded in the Bible means that big picture that God wanted to have more to have a brought the broadest of audiences. He wants us to still be reading it and learning something from it. Mm-hmm. And so in the broadest sense, the answer is it's for everybody um, and I think, There are some that I think that we're going to see that are very, very targeted. The story of Jonah, for instance, is about a very specific message to a group of people that aren't even Israelites. This was something that, a message that God had given to Jonah to the Ninevites, which is this Gentile group of people. And I think that we'll see some things like that where this is a very targeted message to a very specific group of people. And I think there are going to be some that are kind of... Addressing everybody all at once, but at, from time to time, he'll call one particular group out. That's the thing I think feel like I noticed in Hosea. Mm-hmm. There's like he seems to be he's got a lot of he's got a, I, I was gonna say a lot of bullets in his gun, but I Moose mean, is this is way older than that. He's got a lot of arrows in his mm-hmm. quiver, mm-hmm. and he seems to be shooting most of those arrows at the Northern Kingdom. But he does he does mention he does mention Judah from time to time as well. Mm -hmm. Is that your impression?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think there's also this sense too. So it's a little bit like if you say, hey guys, what you mean by that is kind of different on the context. If it's a, if it's a mixed group, you may be talking to everybody. Or if it's a group of guys over here and a group of, of women over here and you say guys and it's, you know, context kind of tells you whether or not you're talking to just the guys or you're using it as an overarching term. Mm -hmm. I know not all women love the fact that you may say guys and refer to everybody. I'm just using that as an example, but it's the same kind of deal with Israel. There's some instances in which Israel may mean everybody who is of Jewish descent, or he may be specifically referring to the northern kingdom of Israel. Mm -hmm. And I found in Hosea, he also used the word Ephraim. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? Right. So Ephraim is just one of the one of the tribes, and it's an unusual thing. And so I, I mean, I did you look it up? Because I looked it up.
1: I didn't. I looked uh, it up
0: because I was like, why? Like Israel and Judah, I understand that. Then who's Ephraim? Right? I knew that 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 particular tribe was one of the eleven tribes that was in the northern kingdom, and I think, um. The impression that I got, if we're going to keep using my guys, um, if guys is everybody and women is women, and so then guys is Israel and Judah and women is Judah, that Ephraim is kind of shorthand for very specifically making sure he is talking about the Northern kingdom. Mm-hmm. That since Israel does have a, can't have a broader context, he's making it very clear when he says Ephraim that he's responsible, referring very specifically to the northern kingdom of Israel. Was there
1: anything specific about them in their level of disobedience their, and their so- is there anything that would make him call them out in particular?
0: I'm not aware of such a thing.
1: Oh yeah. But yeah, I didn't no, so interesting.
0: <sighs> All right. So we're in the late um I guess early eighth century BC targeting primarily the northern kingdom, but a little bit, enough arrows for everybody, primarily during the reign of Jeroboam the second, And also at the same time, it seemed like there were a lot of different, like Judah was experiencing a lot more turnover in kings, some good, some bad. But Jeroboam II was considered, he was one of the worst. Mm-hmm. So Hosea's got a whole lot of things to say. And so I guess before we get to the content of what he said, we have to start with, before we get to the content of what he say, the book starts with an interaction between God and Hosea, where God asks Hosea to do something, and then it sort of, then it plays out. You want to give us kind of the highlights of that? What, 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 what was going on in those first couple chapters?
1: Yeah, I mean, asking him to, to marry a prostitute and um, to have children with her. And then specifically names the children, some some really difficult <laughs> difficult names that you wouldn't. Right, you wouldn't, I, don't, I don't think we would choose uh, to name our kids. It just calls calls Josea to do a really really difficult thing to make an illustration. That's man, it's really and, powerful.
0: And it seems like they're married, and that some bad things happen, and she she. She leaves him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he has to go and get her back. Mm-hmm. So he ma- he marries someone that, at a minimum, there there is some debate about whether or not she was most Possibly. definitely a prostitute, if it was God predicting that she was going to be an unfaithful wife, if she was just someone who was, you know already known to be someone who was having sex outside of marriage. But regardless, God was putting Hosea into a situation to marry someone that God knew was not going to be faithful to Hosea and probably already had some some sort of inclination that she was already currently not being faithful. And then they get married and... um. She is unfaithful, and now she's living with some other dude, it looks like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And God says, "And go get, go, and bring her back. So I don't know if you've got a great answer to this question. <laughs> I don't think I've got a great answer to this question. So maybe we can just banter about neither, or either or both of our insufficient answers to this question. Why would God do this?
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean... Putting myself in Hosea's shoes, I've always felt like, my goodness, man, that and a lot of these prophets, I mean, the things that they were called to do, um, were just hard, hard, difficult things for God to get his message across to Israel. Right. And but I don't know that there's one that to me is more difficult than this. Um man, that just uh, to love, um, to trust, and to have trust broken, and then to forgive, and uh, uh, he even has to pay to to get her back, right? and not I even mean, the forgiveness, the uh, all of the commitment, it's just, yeah, I, why would God do, I mean, mm. he wants to make his point, his point is very important.
0: He's definitely making a point, is a point that I feel like that could be told as well with a parable. You know what I mean? Let me tell you a story about a guy who took on a wife, knowing that she was going to be unfaithful to him and he loved her. And then she was unfaithful to him. And then he went because he loved her so much and paid a price to get her back, even though she was unfaithful to him. And then he were to say, and that is how God is with you. He has taken on you And he loves you knowing that you're going to be unfaithful. And when you are unfaithful, he will go to where you are and pay a price for you to bring you back. It's a very powerful statement, very powerful statement for them. And that time has an overwhelming amount of foreshadowing, Mm. dare I say, prophecy about the coming of Jesus. Right? I mean, so the, the message is very clear. It's powerful. I, I mean, I think most of us without a whole lot of Bible study help can can get that Put big that picture together. message. Mm-hmm. There's something about it, man, that he asked Hosea to do it, to to live it out. I mean, that that is driving the point home.
1: Well, in Hosea's personal um the depths of understanding that he would have on the other side of this. Right. You know, I think there is something about the messenger (laughs) understanding it at those depths. It's not just a story. I experienced this.
0: But in order for it to be, and this is kind of where I don't know if I'm letting God off the hook or I'm just trying to make the, the story more palatable to me, but in order for Hosea to really understand the message he would have needed to have loved her. It wouldn't be like, Hey, go take this woman. You don't even know. Don't even care about. Don't even worry. And just go through the bring matches. into her in your house, make her a wife or one of your wives or whatever. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play this out so people can see it and be like, Oh, whatever, I guess. But you know, I mean, I, I, it may, it Again, for the if what you're saying, for this to really have driven home in the heart of Hosea, I mean, I think, I think this is something that was lived out. And almost for me, and again, this, this is, I am clearly putting an asterisk next to this. I mean, to me, like the way, when the story is written is probably after it has all already happened. And part of me, the way that it feels like it reads is, is that I mean this is who Jose who's, who's Hosea married, and I think God knew she was going to be unfaithful. And maybe at that moment Jose maybe didn't. Mm-hmm. Then she was unfaithful. and then the, the big thing that God called him to do was to go and get her back. But upon reflection, Hosea realizes, hey, God wanted me to marry her. I loved her and he called me to marry her, but he knew then maybe something that Hosea didn't know then. He knew, God knew from the beginning she was gonna be unfaithful. But even still, at a minimum, Hosea knew that she had already been unfaithful to him when he went to go pay to bring her back. Now I've got a question too, and maybe I'm just gonna say this question, you're gonna give me eyebrows. And you're going to put it back to me. Cause again, I don't know that I've got a great answer to this either. And he says, call and, and have a son and name your son, this and name your daughter, this. And like one of them is named not loved.
1: Right. The daughter, right?
0: Yeah. There's a daughter named, yeah.
1: They were like not <laughs> loved.
0: Do we think that's metaphorical? And it's just like, Hey, this, think about her like this, like, like, I mean, I just in my brain is like Hosea's got a daughter, and he's just like, "Hey, not loved. Come here." What? Like, like just like it was more a symbolic, like, like, but like her name was Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> but just like symbolically, for the purposes of this, of this book that we're writing, this prophecy that we're putting together. I want you to think of the. I want you to think of these children that you have in these stages that I'm taking Israel through. But in my like, as a, as a dad of three daughters, in my heart, like I just cannot really imagine that Hosea had. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, Dad. Why do you call me not loved? Well, God told me. I mean, like, I just, I don't know. You had any response to that? He just kind of like, I don't. Because it's, yeah. it's it's wild. The story, the story's wild.
1: This the story is wild. And then it always, you know, like what it makes us uncomfortable. And so <laughs> we, like you said a minute ago, you know, it's, we start wanting to give God an out, but it makes it really difficult to pick which parts of this we think are, were real and which ones were, was he just making, you know, it feels like this is the story. I mean, right. You know, if if it's, if, if we're all in, we're all in. He, uh, this is happening.
0: It is certainly yeah. shocking enough to make us slow down and really think about what's going on here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe we could have just started with the prophecies and all the harsh things that God is telling Hosea to say to the people, and it would have had some impact. But those first couple chapters, man, they make you stop and really think about, like, what God's relationship was like with them, mm-hmm. which kind of leads us to the question. Maybe we're already sort of answering it. What's the what's the big idea here? What is what is what is the purpose of this book? What is God at his core? What is he trying to get across to his people? You think?
1: I mean, I think you know, just like Hosea has this marriage relationship with Gomer, there is this this covenant relationship between between God and His people. And he loves them deeply, and he expects that return of of love and allegiance and obedience and um and they've gone and and given his love to another to idols to other deities and um yeah the the covenant relationship is broken, and we get to see this is how God responds to that hmm this is this is how this this loving God works,
0: yeah, so the 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 foreign god that seems to have creeped in is called Baal mm-hmm. right, and baal apparently literally translated means master, hmm. and there's an interesting point in there in Hosea where basically what god says is you're no longer going to call me master but you know we will be you know we will have this love relationship again which ends up being a play on words
1: yeah i saw that but i didn't realize that that background so
0: it's a it's a it's a play on words on it it's like you are confusing me for this foreign god which i am not and you're worshiping this foreign god, and this foreign god is named Master. But hmm. you're not going to call me Master anymore. You're going to call me Beloved, right? And so he's literally talking about the name Baal that they're calling him, but also really kind of a—he's really asking them to rethink and reimagine um, what their relationship with him is like. And in a series that we did in January at the Grove, we we're talking about all these different ways that we could love God. And, and then the one Sunday that you did, you talked about kind of heart relationship. And and to, to me, that was that was kind of a big draw there of just kind of like you you view this as a master relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's not that there aren't elements of that but i don't want you to think of it as turn yourself as like a rebellious servant i want you to think of yourself as an adulterous spouse which has a level of harshness to it but it also has a level of heart in it mm. where god's like you're not you're not just not doing what i'm saying you have you have broken my heart the way my man Hosea's heart has been broken. And so, as harsh as the book is, I've actually, I actually think it's also really rather tender. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I was just going to throw out one of my kind of a bow on that thought. The uh, Hosea 6 6 is one of my favorite verses from the book um, that speaks to that, where he says, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Mm. This picture of I mean that's what I want from you, you've missed what I want from you, this is who right. I am. I want you, I want your heart um and yes, that plays out in obedience and these other things, but it's not the the burnt offerings minus the heart are pointless,
0: right. yeah, so the baal, the false God, the master, you sacrifice to him too, mm-hmm. And so in some ways you think, man, I'm, I'm making sacrifices. We'll call, call you by a different name. What difference does it make? So you say, "You said, you're missing the point. There's something, there's something different that I want from you. I had that verse down too as a key verse I wanted to talk about. And you go up just a few verses before it. I had this one too in verse 3. It says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the water rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Again, that's not the way that a master talks to a servant. It's not the way a king talks to a subject. And it's not a way a God talks to his followers.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, none, none of them would describe themselves as the spring rains that water the earth. Like a like a like a like an embracing of God is I mean it's going to be full of refreshment and 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 life and connection and so like I said even even in the strong words that that God is telling Hosea to say we see so much of this this tenderness that right. God is wanting to have and so I think I think I think you found it I think verse chapter six. That that's kind of those those are the verses. If people read Hosea, people who really like this book, those are a couple of the verses that they really connect with. Did you have any others that you that really
1: jump um, out at you? I might say this for the end. I mean, the very last verse, I think, speaks to that this is still powerful for us today. Yeah, that this is uh, evergreen and it's and hmm. its power. It's not just to spe- I mean, it is to a specific people at a specific time, but it's it's not just stuck there. Right. You know, just that on that thought, I feel like, um, when we talk about these, uh, prophets, I mean, there's a lot of hard words, um, a lot of, uh, promise of, you know, God's judgment and, uh, accusation of you've sinned against Him. You've, you know, you've, you messed up in this way or that way. And so a lot of the tension goes there. But man, on the on the backside of each one of these, and Hosea is a great example, mm-hmm. man, there's this huge message of hope mm. and this tender heart of God and the reality that it always feels like this tension between his, his holiness and what that means to be in covenant with a holy God right? and then also his... Uh, but then a lot of times it's easy to f- focus so much on that that you miss that His love is is huge, right? And in the midst of His His judgment, there's also this this grace and mercy. It's just, but it gets missed so much, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think one of the challenges, one of the struggles that we have with books like this that are have such a strong, for lack of a better phrase, such a strong judgment message to them. When like we imagine, not imagine, we, we understand that God is a very merciful God and the sacrifice of Jesus, and we think about God very often in terms of just being f- full of mercy, full of grace. And then we read books like this, and they sometimes can feel off-putting or harsh. But really, the, the cycle is the same. But Because who Hosea is talking to here is a group of people who are currently in active rebellion against God. And there's two things that he is desperately trying to communicate to a group of people who are in active rebellion against him. Don't. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I love you. And sometimes when we're on the other end of that, having experienced that grace and mercy from god and we're kind of on the other end of that having under already understood our, 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 I, I know don't I, I know i know i'm not supposed to and i know that god loves me and then i read this book and it feels like that from where i currently am reconciled to god that god is giving me this message when we're you're not you're not in the act you're not in the active rebellion stage anymore and so I think for a lot of us books like this should be a a, ref, a refreshing reminder of where I used to be. Mhm. And I think recognizing the context, I mean like if you are a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you are not where the northern kingdom was in the in the early 8th century BC. Mhm. Active idol worship, active rebellion, active sin in every possible way, complete ignoring of, of God and anything that He wants. If you are in that s- season, I'm glad I'm I'm glad you're reading Hosea because stop mm-hmm. and know that God loves you. There's another verse because I, I want to get I want to get to the part where kind of talk about the big picture. But before before we get to that, there's skip up a little bit. I like this. And, and four, chapter 4, verse 6, and God says this, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I have rejected you as my priests. Again, referencing a series that we did in January about all the different ways that God wants to connect with us. There's so much heart in here. There's a lot of description of active disobedience. But then there's also this description of, you know how you got here? Because you, you, you didn't know. Like, like you, you were, you were just wrong about who I am.
1: Mm.
0: You have you have wrongly described me. You have wrongly understood me. Because you have wrongly understood me, you have broken my heart and di- are in disobedience, and just kind of the interweaving connectedness of those three things of a, of a heart love for God, a, an active obedience and a genuine thirst and desire for knowledge about who he is. Mm -hmm. I think you, you get a weaving of all three of those things. It's not, again, we, we, we see it as like, God doesn't like it when you sin, but that is true. God does not like it when you sin, but what, 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 what Hosea is saying here, what God is relaying to this people through Hosea is so much deeper and more complicated than that. Mm. All right. So we've already shot ourselves in the foot a little bit by saying it's 14 chapters. So this is a longer one. And so for a lot of people um, that would, this would not be a one sitting read It might be a two or three sitting read. So you would read this over a couple of days. So we've given some people some historical context. Talk about the big idea. People, you know, we've got we've got this story about Hosea and Gomer. Hey, by the way, just kind of t- I'll tell you this. When people, when when we were in the we were in the process of naming kids, and, you know, people would ask if we we're gonna give our kids biblical names. It's like, yeah, we got a great name for a girl, and was Dorcas Gomer. <laughs> Dorcas is a girl's name in the in the New Testament. Dorcas Gomer, and our uh, boy's name was Rufus Puddins. <laughs> <laughs> also two great names from the, um, anyways, big picture. Why should somebody want to read and study reflect on this particular book?
1: Oh, um, man, being, uh, completely honest, um, want to is a hard word. I think, I think for me, my study of this is heart wrenching. Mm. And so, you know, one of the stu- uh, the questions I like to ask in Bible study is what do you not like? Okay. Because I think what do you not like kind of reveals uh, sometimes even deeper things than what you do you like. And what I don't like <laughs> is I don't like that that God asked Hosea to do this. Um, it's just a it's a hard story that that does it it hurt. I mean, it's it's uh, difficult for me to to take in that break of trust. Um, and at the same time, very effective in that. Mm. I mean, I see that, man. I don't know that I have that in me, and, and this God, um, that's the truth about my story, and uh, the truth about Israel, and that God would be that kind of God, mm. that would love like that at that level. Um, but it's not an easy one. You know, it's like that movie right. you watch that I've heard you say this sometimes about movies. It's like I'll say, "Should I?" You know, is that one you should go watch? And you're like. Well <laughs> I mean it, it depends on what you're trying to get you know if if you're going to have a good time and laugh it's not the book to read right. uh but man if uh the the point is made and it's uh it's one that'll make you cry
0: yeah it's i think it's one of those ones that ex, that if i were going to motivate somebody to read it it is going to stretch it is going to stretch your idea about who god is and the way he looks at us And he does it in a way that makes you so uncomfortable you can only choose to do it. It can't can't be ignored. You can't, if you're really going to read it, you can't just read through it. There's so many points along the way that you're like, I'm sorry, what? And your brain is going to have to process that. Mm -hmm. What did I just read? And what does this say about my God? And it is it is either going to have to be completely ignored or it can only expand your view and understanding about who God is and the way he views us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, in that sense, I recommend it. But if you were saying, it's not a Monday afternoon feel-good movie. Right,
1: right. It's not that. No, no, it's not if that. that's what you're looking for. No, it's, it's not that. If you're looking for a pick-me-up in the morning before you head off to work, I wouldn't I wouldn't choose it. Also, that that verse I was talking about earlier uh, in chapter 14, the very, the very last verse of the book, um, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them for the ways of the Lord are right. And the upright walk in them, let transgressors stumble in them. And to me that that's the statement that just feels like that is, um, it's not just for one audience. This is, you know, whoever, whoever is wise. Let him understand these things. That's good. It's it's like a a call to hey yeah this book has power for us so you should you should probably spend some time in it. That's
0: all. I, I got. I got no better way to end the episode <laughs> than that, man. That's a that's an awesome word. Thanks for thanks for ending us with that. Um, and thank you guys for joining us. And I do I do hope that you'll spend some time studying and reading Hosea this week. Honestly, if I were going to be listening to this podcast, I think I would choose to. Maybe try to read it beforehand and then listen to this podcast and then read it after. Or at a minimum, certainly spend some time over the next week reading and reflecting on this um, prophetic book yourself. Um, and then next week we'll be in Joel. And so, again, thank you so much for joining us, Mark, as always. Thank you for being here on the podcast. And pray, uh, hope that if you're not connected at the Grove Church, that you would take that step, whether you're in town or out of town, and you can join us in person, or you want to join us online, either way, we'd love to get to know you and connect with you, and you can find us at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. Again, thanks for joining us here on the Cultivate Podcast at the Grove Church.